Welcome back to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you consume your podcasts and check us out on YouTube. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps with our metrics, our ratings, and our future sponsorship. The podcast is now in the seventh season, and I thank you all for your support. If someone's interested in real estate or business, please invite them to listen to the podcast. Our guest today is an iconic titan in the residential real estate business. Scott Gibson used to be the president of Colwell Banker, uh, locally Southern California and nationally, where he oversaw like 60,000 agents. He's now uh, one of the heads of uh, Compass Managing Director here on the LA Southern California front. And um, he had Gibson, uh, his own brokerage Gibson that was acquired by Compass some years ago. But anyways, we're gonna get into what you can do now uh, in your real estate business, as well as he touches on the highlights and summaries of the last four or five recessions and how they impacted the housing market. So this is really, really interesting stuff. You can find Scott uh, on Instagram, Gibson underscore S. Uh, you can also find him on the Compass website, but school is in session. You're gonna wanna listen closely to what this man has to say. Talk to you soon. Good to see you, Scott Gibson. How are you? Great to see you, Danny. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Great. Well, here we are, mid-February, February 16th in the west side of Los Angeles, actually in Beverly Hills, talking real estate with Scott Gibson. You've been through the market ups and downs many times. You've ran multiple offices. You've overseen thousands and thousands of agents since the uh, you know late 70s through now. Uh, I kind of want to get into your take on what's happening in today's market or today's recession. It's a little weird calling it a recession, standing where I am today, but it is a recession. And I'd love to get sort of a history of recessions uh, and how they've impacted real estate and real estate prices, housing prices, uh, since you've been in the market, you, since you've been in the business. You've seen, you've seen a few things. So I know that's kind of a long-winded question, but if you can take us back and kind of walk us through the major recessions, uh, last four or five or so, and then we'll tie it into what you're seeing today, and we can discuss what's going on today. Yeah, thank God I'm not uh, so old that I can remember the the, uh, the depression. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> so I would I would say just uh, just quickly, just thinking about it, I got in the business '78. Um, Prices at that time and interest rates were like eight, nine. They started to go up to 12. First recession I went through was 82. Uh, really was an economic recession. Wasn't, in other words, it wasn't really a, uh, a real estate related uh, recession. Sure. And that, that passed through, recovered 84 to 86 and 87, 88. Prices recovered. Next recession hit early 90s. Uh, that was more around the Middle East and other turmoil. Um, again, real estate did was very impacted then because there was a tremendous amount of foreclosures and a lot of job loss, uh, I'd say. Um, and then, you know, when I think about going forward, um, you know, we've, it's been pretty, it's been pretty mild other than until we got to 2008, nine and 10, which was a real estate related and the over lending and we had such a tremendous amount of uh, foreclosures and, and we had yeah. a new thing called short short pays and the 
stock market plummeted. And of course, that was almost close to a depression. And real estate values uh, plummeted significantly then. Didn't really recover till 2011, 12. Took a longer recovery. And here we are now. Uh, I'd say that uh, out of all the recessions right now, residential real estate's in the best financial health that I've ever seen in my career in that lending practices have been very conservative over the last uh, 10 years as a result of that last debacle, 2008 and nine. Um, there's been a tremendous amount of home appreciation. So there's uh, trillions of dollars worth of equity out there. We're not seeing coming into this market, we're not seeing a tremendous amount of distressed properties. We are starting to see distressed people but not uh, so much properties. Um, and I, I would say that this market, and I like to tell my agents now that last year, 2022, was really two years in one. Uh, the first six months was a continuation of 2021. And the next six months were really the start of 2023. Uh, 2021 prices peaked in March, April, May, and you could see that there was irrational exuberance occurring in the marketplace. Last six months, comparatively speaking, from the past 18 months was uh, dramatically slower or slowing as interest rates more than doubled overnight, which is the first time in history. Yeah. Um, certainly the first time I've ever seen. Yeah, they never raised so quickly in such a short amount of time. N never, never. And you know, here we are now into this market, and. Um, I again, I, I think that we're in a very healthy position, high high demand, low inventory, uh, but prices are declining. Okay, before I jump into more of that and dive deeply, can you just touch on your best recollection of when you say prices were impacted in the early '80s? What did that mean? If we're talking about prime West Side, let's let's get micro. You know, prime west side, since that's where we are, that's where most of our, our clients and work is. Do you recall in that recession and then in the 90s, which was sort of that Middle East, and then the first wave of the dot-com bust, and then we can jump to the 2008, which I have a pretty good grasp on because I survived it, and then today. So do you recall sort of what peak to trough pricing looked like? And also, do you recall the interest rates and what happened with interest rates during those recessions? Well, 82 was really driven uh, by the inflation period. You know, the 70s were inflation and Volcker uh, jacked up interest rates and uh, I was doing land contracts, assumptions, um, you know, rates were, you know, you you'd get a loan for 16% and do a second for five. And so, Housing prices, and, and when you, you say the West Side, the West Side has matured as a market. So the, the impact was much more significant in prior uh, downturns. Back then, prices probably declined 30, 35% as trough, um, you know, because there were foreclosures, uh, and then started to gradually rise again and, and uh, reclaimed their heights and, and moved on after that till we got to early 90s and okay. early 90s you know we did see a lot of foreclosures um again that, yeah, was, that a was a job, job related, related. that was there's significant, significant job, job losses, losses. Un, un, 
unlike today, today we're seeing. Uh, what were the price drops then? And uh, that. Um, but it's a it's the weirdest recession I've ever seen. Getting back, what do you think the price drops were in that 93, 94, 95? I'd say another 30, 40%. I mean, so big drop. Yeah, big big drop because there was a tremendous amount of inventory on the market and people were trying to sell. So it put a lot of pressure on prices. And then 2008 and 9 and that recession and that time, that was a, res that was a real estate related um, and the, the thing that really kept prices from falling more than the 30% and maybe in some areas 40 was short pays where it kept some inventory off the market or at least kept it at, is not as distressed. But again, I'd say things dropped between 30, about 30%. And the West side, probably 25 it was probably a little less than. Um, yeah, I felt that West side prime. You know, Beverly Hills Flats, Brentwood Park, Riviera. The, the prime prime was like 20% plus or minus, which is, you know, much less significant a drop than the previous recessions that you said sound like they were 35, 40. Of course, if you went to surrounding areas of LA, it was 40, 50%, whether you're out in the valley and surrounding areas. All right, so here we are today. And what you said is just brilliant about last year being two years. We came off this. COVID boom in last year, 2022, first half of the year, felt like it was peaking. And then all of a sudden, the interest rates shot up. They went from you know less than 3% on a 30-year jumbo to 7% really quick. And er, the brakes were hit on. I remember uh, having a, a listing north of Montana come on the market in June. And it was the first thing that came out north of Montana right after the interest, interest rates went up. And we had a pause. I mean, people were, were taking notice and not writing offers. And two weeks before, literally, it would have been in multiple offers. So that second half of the year, I felt like we were definitely in a slowdown. Uh, I think technically we were in a recession. It was more than two quarters of uh, slow growth or negative growth. Uh, but something interesting happened over the holidays time, mid-December, late December, and in the last you know, 45 days, the first month and a half of this year, I, Things seem to just snap back. Uh, prices, activity, multiples. Uh, what is your take on what is going on today here in early 23? And what, what is happening? Well, I, I, I think, again, I think because, as I said earlier, we're in the healthiest position as an industry that I've ever seen. And uh, interest rates, I think that uh, initially the shock of interest rates has started to wear off on people. They're getting more used to that five or 6%. I will tell you that 7% appears to be a threshold. And right now we're marching back to 7%. So um, that's gonna put some brakes on the, on the environment. As to, as to the environment right now, I think it's just because there's a tremendous amount of pent up demand. There's a lot of buyers out there that have been waiting for an opportunity. Prices have come down from their peak for sure. You know, I tell my agents they're declining about a point a month right now. That's a generalization, but that's probably true. The multiple offers that are selling, when I quiz the agents, they say, you know, they're pricing their houses three to 5% below the last comp. So uh, if, if they're priced that way, they're selling in multiples. If they're not priced that way, they're sitting. So we're starting to see more sitting inventory come uh, on, the, on the market, start to build in certain areas. Um, and 
you know, there's other other changes too. There's been the new tax code, the new tax from uh, LA. LA that's uh, bringing on a lot more inventory right now. All of a sudden, over five million. We're seeing more of that, and I think that's going to put uh, pressure on prices. But I think uh, what you're seeing now is pent up demand, a window of opportunity that buyers are seeing. Sellers are a little bit more amenable to negotiating and allowing repairs or negotiating repairs and et cetera. And I think that it's a window right now for buyers. I don't know how long that window will be there. Yeah, I agree. I feel like definitely a window. It was a window in that fourth quarter last year for buyers, a really good window. And there's one now. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. So you think we're marching with higher interest interest rates back to seven. And I think so far it's 7% has shown to be the breaking point where we're breaching and people take pause for whatever reason. So far, that's what experience. But you're feeling that's where we're heading again. And then we're going to hit another lull. Yeah, I think the key indicator to watch on that is probably the 10-year, even though a 10-year treasury, even though that's not directly related to mortgage rates, but it, it appears to be. And it's at 0.3.9 today. If it, once that hits over four, I think you're heading towards that 7% mortgage. Yeah. And how long do you think that's going to last? I mean, do you think the rest of 23 is going to be 7% more and more of a slowdown? Or do you think it's going to be quarter by quarter adjustments up and down? I, I Having lived through inflation, which many people haven't before, inflation doesn't go away easily. It's uh, very sticky, as they say. And we're seeing it in the numbers that have come out in the last uh, day or two. And I think that the Fed will, everybody thinks that they're going to stop raising and they're going to lower interest rates. I think the Fed's going to continue raising interest rates all year long until they start to see unemployment uh, increase. Uh, I think that your other areas you look at, you were still on inverted interest rates. The 10-year is higher than the 30-year. I don't think we're out of trouble until our interest rates reinvert back to the way what's normal out there. And we see... uh, Unemployment hit in the fours, probably, will make the Fed happy. Sounds silly, but that's the way it is. Um, And we start to see inflation truly come down in a more meaningful fashion than it has been over the last couple months. So I think it's, uh, as I've said along, stay alive to 25. I think I said that on your last show. Yeah, stay alive to 25. So let's... Let me bring that up. You were on, I don't know, maybe six months ago, eight months ago. Maybe it's almost a year by now. And in that show, in our interview, you said, look, no one knows it yet, but a recession is happening and it's, you know, it's just below water and we're going to have a slowdown. It's just a matter of when, not if. And that did come to fruition. Uh, we had a, 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 a very quick put the brakes on, you know, back half of last year. And we're still in it, slugging away, slogging away. Although, as you pointed out, if sellers price below three, five percent below last comp, and it's a good product, good location, they are getting uh, they are getting activity. So, yes, you were very uh, telepathic, visionary on that. But let me let me put you in a position. Uh, you know, if I'm your child or your you know your your family, let's and I'm a buyer. What would your advice be to me today as a buyer? And then I'm going to flip it and say, okay, if I'm a potential seller, what would you be advising your family to do? Uh, first off, I don't think you can ever uh, hope to buy at the lowest point and sell at the highest point. I think, uh, I, and I actually, I'm looking with my child right now, and it, 
you know, we're looking like a, a five to 10 year uh, out. If you're looking to only hold something two years, you're going to probably lose money, to be honest with you. So, I mean, if you don't have that perspective of a, a five to 10 year hold, um, I don't think prices will start uh, climbing again until 2025, maybe 2026, but 2025. Um, so I think that that's the perspective you have. And we're looking now and we're, we're seeing more and more stuff come on. Yeah. So your view to the buyer, your opinion is, hey, look, long term, if you're looking long term, now's the time. Let's look. There's more inventory. And if you find something good that you like and can afford with a long term outlook, you're you're OK with it. You're advising to move forward. All right. What if you're a seller today and uh, it's your you know same child that's got a house that, that maybe they're thinking of selling or we want to sell? You know, what is your advice to to the seller? I think it, that it, right now, especially you've got a window, you've got a tremendous amount of buyers, you've, you've got uh, financing. Uh, lenders are still very open on financing, so they haven't restricted it all. Appraisal is still coming in. I think if you're thinking of selling the next two years or you have to sell in the next two years, that you should do it now. Uh, otherwise, you're going to see 10 to 15% less in two years. And whether that is important to you or not, um, you know, that I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I again, I, I think that you're on a downward price. The price is depreciating right now. And my advice is if you need to sell or want to sell within the next two years, do it now. Otherwise, wait till 26. Stay alive till 25 and wait till 26. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we touched enough about the market. Let's get into some more fun stuff. Uh, can you? Can we get, you know, go back in time and, you know, when it used to be really fun to be a real estate agent in the 70s and 80s when title and escrow officers were throwing parties? I mean, the good old days. Remind me how I missed the good times. But what, what are some fun stories we could share? What, what was allowed then that's not allowed now? Oh, I can't talk about those. Oh, things. you can't talk. But certainly oh, entertaining. They could take you to games. They could take you out. That was not. Oh, I've given you my permission to record this. I can't allow. I can't <laughs> talk about that. I think one of the fun memories that I have as far as our business goes is when a guy named uh, uh, Fred Sands was in business and, and a guy, uh, Mike Glickman was in business and Jack Douglas, John Douglas, uh, and then Prudential. And I remember Fred coming down and, and uh, LA Magazine was asking Fred to do an interview with Mike Glickman, who Fred did not like Mike Glickman. And had been recruiting Fred's agents and asked me whether or not he should appear and on the cover uh, with Mike, with John, John Douglas and give uh, Mike that credibility. And, and I, I said, I, th I think you should. I, 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 think it, I think it will probably highlight your stature more than it will his. And, uh, but it was, it was quite a discussion. It took us two days for him to make the decision and he ended up appearing on that cover. And, and, you know, Mike had a good operation for a while. Um, and, and in fact, uh, uh, I am in his former office right now where Mike Glickman had his Brentwood office. Oh, wow. How's that? How's that for weird? Yeah. Isn't Glickman still active in the, in the valley? I thought he's. No, Mike uh, is still active as far as I know, um, <laughs> but he's living in Hawaii. Good for him. Aloha, Mike Glickman. If you're listening. I should get him on here. Tell some stories. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be interesting. He would be. I got to find that. Um, I've got his phone number. 
Yeah, send me his number. I got to find that old LA magazine with uh, Douglas. My, and Mike Betty. and I had a, a horse or two that uh, when I owned racehorses that raced against uh, each other at Hollywood Park. So, are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. All right, since you're not going to go into the fun stuff from the '70s and '80s and '90s, <laughs> uh, let's let let me go. Give me some advice you'd give to some agents. Now, our audience is a lot of agents at all levels, but right now, you know, a lot of agents. Are, are some are getting out of the business, others are in a sort of state of panic. What is your sort of sage wisdom advice now today for an agent to focus on what they should be doing, what they should be thinking? Well, I'll tell you what, having been uh, in the business at times when I was really short of money, um, like the early 80s, when things were bad, I think the worst I should say the best advice, the worst thing an agent can do, but the best advice I can tell you is don't panic. Uh, your your clients can smell the fear or the anxiousness of your need to make a deal. And you, you have to mask that because it will come across in how you work with them, how you show property, and how you counsel them. So you have to take a deep breath, not worry about making the mortgage today or the rent payment and stay focused on your business and stay focused on the task at hand that you're supposed to be counseling your, your client. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. It's hard. It's hard though. When, when you're, you're looking at next month and you got a car payment and I mean, and so that's a certain, those are newer agents that have gotten the business the last three or four years that saw some really good times, you know, for those experienced agents, uh, some will drop out. There'll be a tremendous amount of attrition this year probably have 20 to 30 percent fewer agents by the end of the year i believe than we did at the beginning of the year that's a huge opportunity for the people that stay focused and come in and work every day and focus in on their prospecting and stay consistent because you'll, you'll you'll gain market share danny you'll you're going to make a fortune oh from your from your mouth to god's ears well that's good because i got nothing but lint coming out of the pocket so i i'm ready for my fortune all right, I got my, uh, I got my, this is my uh, wealth elephant that my wife got. I like got that. Me. I like Yeah, I'm waiting. This is my time. Uh, you know, I thought. I think coaching is a good idea for a lot of agents too, or, or getting out and going to some uh, different real estate programs, getting out there. Also, uh, communicating with other agents, going on open houses, going on caravans, going into your office, I think is also an important thing. I think we got into this, this new mode of working from home. And, you know, being an island in this business has not necessarily been all that successful. You could probably get away with it in 21, but you can't really get away with it now. You can't run. You can't hide and do business. Yeah, I say I agree with that 100 percent, that your relationship with agents really becomes important, you know, in, in tough times because the people want to share information with who they like and trust, work with who they like and trust. And I think that's a, a huge advantage for uh, agents that have already built good relationships and have a good reputation. And I, I definitely agree with that. I read at, uh, at NAR, or it was either NAR or CAR, one of the associations that, uh, you know, already 100,000 agents have left the business uh, in the fourth quarter, or maybe it was over a month period, like a huge amount has already. And I, I imagine that's, that's, that's going to be the case. Uh, in terms of veteran agents, what, what other things, tips you would give people to do? Should they be marketing? Should they be not marketing should they you know what are some things that uh you know it's interesting i'm, I'm uh, 
I'm going through a number of business reviews have been for the last couple of months with the top agents. Some of the things that I see that uh, maybe have gone a little bit by the wayside or neglected just because the business has been the way it was in 21 and, and first half of 22. Uh, one area is their internet presence. A lot of people haven't really gone back to look at their LinkedIn, their Zillow, their Realtor.com, uh, those those websites and, and see how their presence is. Update it, make sure your pictures update. Everything is, make sure you have current reviews. You know, no one wants to read a, a review from 2021 and see nothing else on there. So it should be going out. It's a good good reason to reach out to your clients. So that's that's one area is to upgrade your internet presence. You you need it. The, the other area is to make sure that you are organizing your contacts and you're using a CRM. Uh, my most successful agents use uh, a specific contact process, a CRM, that uh, enables them to reach out to clients in a consistent manner. And I, I keep pounding that away. Consistency is key. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is a lot of fundamentals, uh, getting back to the fundamentals. And when we're in a frothy market, uh, agents some oftentimes get so busy and deals are coming so fast and furious that we get away from the fundamentals of how you build a sustaining, healthy business. And doing a digital presence audit, I mean, that's perfect. I know I, I've started to do that. I need to get better at that and updating reviews. It, it seems so obvious, and it is, and it's fundamentals, but doing the fundamentals consistently on a daily basis are the difference between average and excellent. And uh, that, that's a really good reminder, getting back to the CRM, getting back to what we do is getting in front of people any way we can. And you should have a good contact management system with existing your existing clients you're working with you on your listings, making sure that you have, when you get a listing, you know exactly what you're going to do, but you have to have a 60 to 90 day plan. It can't be a two week plan anymore. So you, because you're going to need to be able to communicate what you've done with that seller for that seller on that listing in order to maybe obtain a price reduction uh, or some kind of change in order to get the property sold. And make sure you stay focused on what the seller's needs are. Why did they put their house on the market? And make sure you continue to touch base back on that with your seller to make sure they stay focused on what their goals were. Yeah, that's another great point because we, we are also in the tough conversation business. And when markets shift and sellers are used to getting any price and they're not any longer and their house is worth 5%, 10% less than they thought it was worth, those are tough conversations that agents have to have daily and we have to be comfortable with it and we have to set that up properly, as you said, up front with a plan, 60, 90 days, six month plan, you know, being realistic up front, letting them know so that it's not just telling them what they want to hear. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for a very, it's already a difficult, difficult conversation. You're setting your up, yourself up for a no win, a no win situation. So that's, very sound advice. So you have to have those conversations that if we don't get an offer within the first 30 days, maybe you plug in an automatic price reduction. You know, and if you do make a price reduction, make it meaningful. Don't dink it down because then people, the market will just wait you out and wait you out and wait you out. And you'll get those calls as an agent from somebody says, oh, my client really loved the property. Would you let me know when an offer comes in? That, you might as well just phone it in. You know you're too high then. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Love it. I'm in some situations like that now uh, with my buyers on a, uh, things that are overpriced. And yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I'd also say, don't be afraid to write the offer. Don't worry about offending anybody. Put it in and Just see what happens. Don't worry about it. And on the seller side, counter to everything. And know that your first offer is probably your best. These are just nuggets all day long. And I fully believe in this too. It's like, just counter. Take 10 minutes to put it out there and give them another chance. Keep it moving. Don't let the ball die in your court because you never know if someone's going to come up or not. Don't be emotional. Buyers don't want to feel like they're stupid by overpaying. So they're going to come in lower than they'll pay. So they, they, but they want to find out where the seller's at. So just be patient with the process and counsel your seller up front when you take the listing that this is what's going to happen. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pivot and get into more personal uh, advice and personal Scott tips and stuff. So what are, what are some books that uh, have really moved you in a way that you would recommend to uh, people in business? And it doesn't have to be a business book, but just things that you thought, hey, this is, this is an important read for people. I would recommend this to a friend. You know, uh, I've read so many books, I can't remember them all. Uh, the Art of War is one of my favorite books. Oh, good one. Um, yeah, that, that was a motivational book. Um, I've read a lot of Tony Robbins books. I, I think that from the standpoint of, I don't know that there's a business book that I could, you know, there's the old, you know, who moved my cheese and all those things. I, I think finding someone that, or uh, something that motivates you, that excites you, like a Tony Robbins or, uh, you know, any kind of a coach would be beneficial to you. I, as far as a special book, I, I really don't have a, a, a favorite in particular other than uh, The Art of War. That's a good one. All right, what are some favorite movies? Could be old, could be new, could be any. I, lo I love Top Gun last year. You liked the new one. Did you like it better yeah. than the old one or you liked both? No, it was outstanding. Uh, both of them were great, but the, the second one was great. I just watched um, a great movie last night that is up for an Academy Award. And wouldn't you know, I know my pea brain will come up with it, but uh, it was a Tom Hanks, The Fablemans. Oh, okay. And Tom Hanks, I keep thinking that it's uh, uh, Spielberg's. And it was very, very good. And I can see why it's nominated for uh, Best Picture and him for Best Director. It was, it's kind of a quasi autobiography on him. Yeah, his life. Very interesting standpoint. But that was an excellent movie. Yeah, I need to see that. Uh, all right. If you're uh, working out or taking a walk and you're listening to music, what's on that? What's a couple songs on the Scott Gibson playlist that gets you feeling good? <laughs> Any kind of rock and roll. Uh, Tom Petty, Led Zeppelin, um, Doors, you know, I'm old school that way. I love it. The classics, man. You can't beat that. No. Those are the things that motivate you. All right. How about this? Vacation. If you could go anywhere, what's your next dream vacation? Where would you want to go? Well, I, Antigua is, I, was on my, uh, is on my radar. I was supposed to go last month, and I got ill, and I couldn't go. So I may go in March. But uh, right now, I'm going to the San Juan River to fly fish. Nice. In, uh, June. And in July, I'm going up to Wyoming to do some fly fishing. So you're doing some fly fishing. I love it. And uh, August, I go to Lake Tahoe, family vacation every year, summer vacation up there for a week or so, and the North Shore there. So those are some of our favorite things. And probably travel-wise, we'll probably uh, get to the Far East next year. Oh, you got some good travel plans. I didn't realize so much fly fishing was uh, was set up for you this oh, yeah. year. You love fly fishing. Really, I think in this environment, especially, hobbies are a really good idea. 
you need something to uh, quiet the voices. And, and generally, I, I read a lot of uh, fictional stuff, especially before I go to sleep at night, because it, it tends to, as I say, quiet the voices and enables, uh, enables my mind to go on and fall into a nice sleep. Yeah, that's good. Anything else you want to share with us? Any advice to agents? Any advice to, I mean, you've already shared so much, but uh, if there's anything that you want to end with before we let you uh, run out and put out yeah, a thousand I think, fires. I, think, uh, I still continue to find that people don't write their goals down. And I think if you're not writing your goals down, and, and there's various reasons why people don't, I guess it's confrontational or they'll feel bad if they don't hit their goals. But I'm telling you, you have an 80% more likelihood that's the right way to say that, of achieving your goals for the year if you write them down, even if you don't look at them again until the end of the year. So I think it's critical to your success to write your goals down. Um, you could review them and you can break them down if you want, but just writing them down is a good first step for somebody. That and you should plan a vacation. You got to have something to look forward to because it's, it's too hard of a business and if you have something to look forward to, it gets you through the hard days. 100%. Every time I have a vacation or go on vacation, the phone rings, there's a listing, there's a deal. And I love it. I'm like, okay, if I'm slow, let's just book a vacation. That's right. It's not a coincidence that that happens. <laughs> I love it. Well, since you won't share your uh, nitty gritty stories of the Marina Del Rey in the late 70s or uh, Chasen's in the 80s, we'll have to meet up for dinner soon to do that. But hey, look, I always appreciate sharing with you and hearing the stories and getting the sage wisdom, man. You're the best. So. Thank you. And yeah, get me Glickman's info. I want to get him on here. I wonder if he would do it. it that would be classic. I'll, uh, I'll get you his info. All uh, right. And my one last uh, bit of advice yeah. is bet Kansas City next year for the Super Bowl. Back to back. Don't ever bet against Mahomes, right? That's right. I didn't. <laughs> I, I bet against Brady and I, I, that was a mistake. So I'm not making that mistake twice. Don't bet against Mahomes. <laughs> Let's end it there. Good to see you, Scott. All right, you guys. That was awesome. Thanks, Thanks man. Have a fabulous week.